Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm so excited about the trivia question today. Yesterday we used one of Brian Haydad's for our 10 days of trivia. I think I have a humdinger today. And it's going to cause you to have to think because I don't think you're going to have time to Google the results or as somebody yesterday suggested, chat GPT gave them the wrong answer to the uh, to the trivia question that uh, Hey Dad asked yesterday. It's all coming up at uh, 520 today. Our uh, trivia, 10 days of trivia is presented by Gentile. Borky, I, I, we lost connection because I was I, I said to you what the trivia question was. I'm no idea, and, and you just sat there and stared. And I thought, okay, this is either really difficult, too difficult, not a good question, or something. And then I looked over. I was like, we're disconnected. I don't know what happened. I, I have I, no, I, I have no idea what it is. So I'm looking forward to finding out, just like uh, like everybody else. Speaking of chat, chat GPT or whatever, have you yeah. seen the uh, the what? Some newspapers around the country that are owned by the same corporation are doing for high school football coverage this year. Articles are being written by AI. Yeah, nobody's going. Is AI going to be at the games? No, not the game. All they get is a box score, and as you know, sometimes high school box scores are not very detailed. You should see some of the articles that AI is churning out about high school football games. It's embarrassing. I mean, I can't believe that they would publish what is being churned out. It's like out of the editor's hands. I get it that it's a corporation telling them they have to do that. But I can't believe they would just take that and say, okay, here it is. They make no sense whatsoever. There's not a single player named in any of them. Not one player. It's only references to the score and when the scores happened, but only in the quarters. So, horrible. And... You know, everybody's picking at them because they should, and I'm picking at them. But, man, you guys remember this. Same thing with me. I mean, newspapers weren't completely dead in 2008 and 2009 when I was playing high school football. Picking up the newspaper and reading your name in it was the coolest as a high school football player. That was the coolest. Having our team make the front page after big wins. I've still got a framed picture of me holding the Golden Strip Derby trophy. From the, on the front page of the sports page in the Greenville News, and, and I'll, I'll cherish that forever. Did you say the Stripper Derby, the trophy? Golden Strip Derby? 
Oh, I just said no. Okay. The, the, go, the Golden Strip, which is the the road that the strip of highway between two schools, and anyway, like the Egg Bowl Trophy, but not the same as the Golden Strand. Not uh, Golden Strip. Uh, All right, but anyway, now these high school kids get nothing. They don't even get their names. They don't get their team names. It's just, oh, here was the score. They know. <laughs> they know what the score was. It's horrible. I mean, what a shame that that is what a, a conglomerate like that has decided high school football deserves. Shameful. That is uh, that is not good. Hey, Dad, did you ever have your picture in the paper for high school football? Uh, twice. Vicksburg Post Gazette, or did I make that? Just the up? Vicksburg, the Vicksburg Evening Post. You were close. Okay, the Vicksburg Evening Post. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a scrapbook from my senior year. They had a cool deal where the senior cheerleaders did scrapbooks for the senior football players, and uh, I, I hope that my mother has that somewhere. But yeah, there were a picture in the paper a couple of times my senior year, and they printed stats, like yeah. updated stats each week. Yeah. How that was cool, cool was that? Uh, here, that was... Here's here's the first two sentences. I found it. This is in the Columbus Dispatch in Columbus, Ohio. Used to be a big publication. The Westerville North Warriors defeated the Westerville Central Warhawks 21 to 12 in Ohio high school football game on Friday night. Westerville North edged Westerville Central 21 to 12 in a close encounter of the athletic kind at Westerville North High on August 18th in Ohio football action. Did they just say the same thing twice? Yes. Those are the first two graphs of an article that was published in the Columbus Dispatch about a high school football game. Written completely by what is called Lead AI. Hey, Dad, that's how you know Michael Bork. He's a big J journalist. He just called them graphs. Graphs. Yeah. Graphs. First two graphs. Board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure All my right. alma mater is very proud of how I took my education seriously when I was there. But what a joke, man. It's just embarrassing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us on uh, this Tuesday afternoon, the 22nd of August in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. We will be there next Monday, kicking off the college football season and celebrating a birthday slash anniversary for the uh, for the sports book, which is it? So, when you're celebrating the years that coincide with which the, the day you were born, it's a birthday, but a momentous occasion you're celebrating as an, an anniversary. So, which is it? Well, businesses aren't born, so it's an anniversary. Well. I mean, the sports book was kind of born on a certain day, born out of the space in it which it opened. occupies. It opened on a certain day. It, this is an anniversary. All right, so if a bird turned two, would you call it a birthday? Since it wasn't actually born, it hatched? That's that's born. Is it? Yes, it's born. Uh, yeah. Okay. Just... Just thinking through that real you're not, quick. You're not, not going to get me to come off of this take. I, the, I'm, I'm uh, on this the, one. The this C is, Spire is, text in, line yeah. is open to you at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge 
with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Again, 601-879-4395. You can learn more about them online at uh, ceasefire.com slash business. Southern Miss has named a starting quarterback. Big news out of Hattiesburg today. Luke Johnson will join us uh, in about 25 minutes to uh, to talk to us a little bit about what this means for the Southern Miss football team. The quarterback battle in Hattiesburg has come to an end. Billy Wiles this morning after practice was named the starter by head coach Will Hall. He is a Washburn, Virginia native, a transfer from Clemson, and he beat out Mississippi native, French camp Mississippi native, Holman Edwards, who was a transfer from Houston. Here's what Will Hall said. Two things have been evident throughout this whole camp. One, Holman and Billy are really good players, and we can win with both of them. Two, Billy's been better. He's just been a little bit better. He missed a big part of the spring, or or at least was limited in the spring, with a quad injury, but uh, has had a really good camp. And sophomore Zach Wilkie, who appeared in eight games last year and had nearly 1,200 yards passing and eight touchdowns, has been gone for the last week or two with an unspecified family issue. And so that means Ethan Crawford, the freshman, is now third on the depth chart for um, Southern Miss. So we'll see what happens with Zach Wilkie. That has been an odd situation that Southern Miss has not said a lot about publicly. But this was a legit battle, and Will Hall told us that going back to the conversation that we had with him the day before camp began. He has said that to all of the media members that have covered Southern Miss, all the practices, all the scrimmages. He also said before camp started that he intended to name a starter around the time school began. School began in Hattiesburg yesterday. He announced a starter today. What do you make of this decision? I mean, I'm, I'm just hopeful for Southern Miss that it that they get the quarterback play that they they need to have to take another step forward in the Sun Belt to be a contender in the Sun Belt. They have to be more consistent at quarterback. They've got pieces around him. They've got the, one of the best running backs in college football. Defensively, I, 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 Southern Miss defensively, I just normally assume they're going to be good. They got to have better quarterback play, and they haven't had that for two seasons now. They've got to have it now, if they, and you, you hope that this guy is the guy who can give it to them. But but so much of that has been related to health or yeah. lack thereof. Just, yeah, I mean, guys, it, yeah, just a mash unit for the last couple of seasons at that position. Can't stay healthy. Southern Miss fans uh, lift one up to the football gods and ask them for health in the quarterback room this year. I mean, there's really, as a fan going into a season, there's there's few things that are more exciting about finding out who your quarterback's going to be. Yeah, I mean the reaction today from Southern Miss fans, deservedly so, mind you, was through the roof. Like, yes, quarterback one, let's get it. All that stuff. Everybody's really excited. You haven't seen him play yet, <laughs> but That's still, right. just that 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 feeling, that optimism as football's getting closer. When you find out who your quarterback's going to be, is a, is a cool feeling. So they were embracing it today. I saw, and, and you had two transfers who came in expecting to start. Right? I mean, you have one guy in Billy Wiles that leaves Clemson, where he was behind Cade Klubnick. 
And you have uh, Holman Edwards leave Houston where he had been behind Clayton Toon coming uh, back to his home state. And Wiles is the winner of the quarterback job. We'll talk more about that with Luke Johnson in just a bit. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. One, two, get down. So, a streak came to an end last night. It was a significant streak that has absolutely no meaning whatsoever. It means nothing. It affects affects nothing. And yet it was significant. Very good. Effect versus effect. Very good. Um... The Baltimore Ravens had won 24 consecutive preseason games. See, it meant nothing. And yet, last night they lost on a field goal at the end of the game. And Washington seemed quite pleased to kick uh, a 49-yard field goal with nine seconds remaining to uh, to get the win over the Baltimore Ravens. 28-29, Baltimore led in the game 28-20 in the fourth quarter. The Commanders scored a touchdown with 4.06 remaining. And uh, I guess they went for two and didn't get it. And then there was a field goal at the end by Joey Sly, from 49 yards out after a 14-play, 60-yard drive and a field goal to win it, 29 nothing, so that the Commanders could move to 2-0 and in the preseason. That is, by the way, boys, a lot of people not giving the, uh, the old Washington Football Club Commanders, formerly the Redskins, all that much credit going into the season. They are on top of the NFC East standings through two preseason games. Yeah. Give me an ooh, hey, Dad. Ooh, all that and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee. Sam Howell looked good last night. I'm sure getting coffee there. Operated the two-minute drill before half really, really well. Uh, I mean, he he looks really good and and moved in the pocket well and was accurate. They've got something there with Sam Howell. It, It always shows you, by the way, that that quarterback drafting is not an exact science. Trey Lance like might not even make the team in San Francisco. They traded a lot to move up to get him. And, and a guy in his draft class who was in the seventh round has not only taken what was supposed to be his job, but even through injury during training camp. No, nah, there's no Trey has no shot. He is not the quarterback of this team. Uh, we'll, we'll bring in Sam Darnold, too, to back him up. And, you know, thanks to the emergency quarterback rule, you might still be around. And same thing with Sam Howell. Was he the most hyped guy in his draft class? Not anymore close. Not at all. And yet, Yeah, but you know what really I love good. about the San Francisco story? Yes, they gave up a lot to get Trey Lance. But they treated the quarterback situation the way a smart business owner treats a bad 
acquisition, a poor management decision, a inventory purchase that went wrong. They said it doesn't really matter what we gave up to get to this point. Cut the loss and move forward. They didn't get hung up on the, well, we drafted Trey Lance and we gave up a lot and, you know, Brock Purdy was a seventh-round pick and no, 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 no. Brock Purdy came on the field and he won. And he produced at a really high level. And not only did they say Brock Purdy is our starting quarterback, Brock Purdy has been very, very limited, very limited in training camp for the 49ers, and they have repeatedly said, it does not matter when he comes back. He is our quarterback. That's running your football team like a business, knowing when to cut losses and when to move forward. Smart franchise. Well well done. Well done, John Lynch, the GM. That, that, that has been a well-run team for uh, a number of years now. They're going to get a, a Super Bowl soon. Very soon. I like it. Did you see what they were going to do, by the way? If um, they made the Super Bowl? So if they, had they won that NFC Championship game where they were down to like their 12th quarterback and they lost to Philly? Did you see the story about what they were going to do had they somehow managed to win that game on defense alone? I mean, I may have, but I don't. They were in communication with Phillip Rivers, and and he was going to do it. And they essentially told him, if we win, here's a playbook, get ready. And you've got two weeks to play in the Super Bowl. And Phillip Rivers was like, yeah, I'm in. No doubt. So had they found a way to, like, special teams and defense their way to a win over the Eagles, Phillip Rivers was going to play quarterback for the 49ers in the Super Bowl, having joined the team after 17 weeks in the playoffs and take over as quarterback and play in the Super Bowl. Hey, Dad, you've already made one official ruling today. I need another official ruling. Very good. Would you have called Phillip Rivers a Super Bowl quarterback in that scenario? No. If he came in at the last second there and, and, and was in the Super Bowl? And, yeah, and yeah. If, they if won. after the NFC Championship game, the 49ers had signed Phillip Rivers to a three-week contract in which he came out of retirement specifically to play in the Super Bowl because they did not have a functioning quarterback, would you label Phillip Rivers as a Super Bowl quarterback when he stepped into retirement three weeks later? Not only would I label him a Super Bowl quarterback, I would tell you that's one of the greatest stories in the history of the National Football League. They they brought him, I mean, he was just sitting at home with his 14 kids and his 28 dogs and however many else of other things he has, and there's like, we need you. And he still had enough in the tank to go win the Super Bowl? Yeah, that's a Super Bowl quarterback, all right. Congrats to Mr. and Mrs. Rivers, by the way. They had child number 11 recently. I wasn't far off. He's got an entire side of the ball ready to go. <laughs> eleven. Child number eleven. That's too many. I was going to tell you that's that's too many to have for one person. How many nannies do they employ full time? I wonder. I would bet two, at least. At least. Uh, at least. 
Do you know how hard it is to co-parent three children? Can you imagine having a let? You couldn't hire somebody and pay them enough to just have one. I don't know that two is enough. Now, I, I mean, obviously the ages are staggered and some of the kids are older and don't need it. But it, it, there's an argument to be made that it gets more difficult when they get older because of all the places they've got to go and things they have to do and interests that they have. And you're trying to, to I don't know, uh, I don't know. There is another story from the NFL that is a bit of a repeat of a story from Columbus, Ohio last year. Jackson Smith in Jigba is hurt. Rookie wide receiver for the Seahawks having surgery to repair a broken bone in his wrist. But they say he potentially could be ready for the start of the regular season. Didn't we hear throughout most of last year that Jackson Smith and Jigba could be potentially ready for the next fill-in-the-blank? Yeah. Nah, it was a little different. I understand. He was working toward getting paid, not getting paid. Seahawks will determine how long he will be sidelined based on the results of the surgery, which will be performed today, or may have already been performed today, in Philadelphia. The injury occurred during the preseason game against Dallas on Saturday. Had a great catch. He was the 20th pick in the draft last year. A healthy Jackson Smith and Jigba on that roster makes him pretty darn good on the offensive side of the ball. Because he's the third option. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Smith and Jigba. I mean, Geno Smith's got some real options in the passing game. That's um, that's a fascinating deal. I, I know I gave a little bit of a negative spin to that story because it felt like that's the story we heard the entire season last year. Truth of the matter was, he didn't really have a whole lot of interest in going back and playing for Ohio State. He was just simply getting ready for the NFL and decided, eh, yeah, we'll just, just get ready for the draft. I mean, a good business decision. First-round pick. Uh, he's been really good in training camp. And so we will see how that plays out for them. And another starting quarterback named in the NFL today. Any surprise to you guys that Baker Mayfield wins the job in Tampa Bay? No. No, not really. But going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield is like going from driving a Bugatti to a go-kart. Uh, y- yes, but let's not pretend like last year's version of Tom Brady was a Bugatti. He's better than anything Baker's done in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, a, a 2012 Bugatti is still a Bugatti. I suppose. I suppose. Go ahead and put that future I mean, down. Baker was the number one pick in the draft. Come on. I mean, yeah. He was a six-rounder. <laughs> a bum. Big upgrade. Luke Johnson joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line coming up next. Farm Bureau, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk Mississippi. Hooray. 
All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson joins us right now. It's only kind of a guest, more like family. He's the co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. And uh, we got we got some news to talk about today. A starting quarterback has been named. It's Billy Wiles, the uh, the Clemson transfer, earns the uh, the starting nod for Southern Miss. I, I thought uh, Will Hall's quote about this was just as candid and honest as it can be. We can win with both of these guys, but the truth of the matter is, Billy's been better, a little bit better, but better. Yeah, and that's you felt like the entire preseason camp that they felt like they could win with both guys, and so you knew that you were going to have a a, a, a big upgrade at uh, starting quarterback, and not as important, but what we've seen the last couple of years, Richard, you're going to have a massive upgrade at the backup quarterback position too, and how the injury bug has bit the Golden Eagles over several years. You can't just you know emphasize that enough. They've got two guys that they can win with. And I think automatically Holman Edwards becomes one of the best backup quarterbacks in the Sun Belt. So um, I think he feels crazy good at the depth at this position. Uh, one thing that Billy Wiles talked about today was in the offseason, in, especially in the summer, he worked on precision and he worked on decision-making. And so I think those are the two things that Hall looked for. Who can be the better game manager? Who's going to be less uh, less prone for mistakes? And one of the things that was for Edwards' strengths was making plays out of the pocket. Wiles really showed that um, in the scrimmages and in, and in fall camp, his ability to, to make plays outside the pocket. Nobody really doubted his ability you know, to stay in the pocket and, and be accurate. But I think Will was impressed with some of the things he did outside the pocket. He's 6'3", Edwards is 6'2", um, but I think Will Hall feels like he's got a steady hand in Billy Wiles. Ethan Crawford is going to be the third string quarterback, and that's because Zach Wilkie has been gone for the last uh, week and a half or so. I don't want to pry into something that is is personal. They've said it's a family issue. Do we know anything about what's going on with with Zach Wilkie and, and why he's just kind of picked up and gone home to take care of whatever it is that he needs to take care of? I haven't got a clue, you know, and and I uh, I've asked, you know, just around and. Nobody really seems to know. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a unfortunate situation. When you look at what Zach Wilkie do, he really, you know, stepped into the fire last year. He started against Miami his first game and it's kind of unfair, you know, the situation he was thrown into, but that's what he, what he was. And you certainly hope that whatever he's dealing with, um, he'll be back with the team soon. Um, what does Billy Wiles bring to the table? I mean, you, you've watched a couple of scrimmages. I mean, you, you've talked a little bit. Of, okay, he's done a better job getting outside the pocket. But we're talking about Clemson backup, who was obviously behind Cade Klubnick, who, who's going to be the starter, and people are talking about all over the place going into the season. And you're talking about Holman Edwards, who, who comes back to his home state, obviously, but has been behind a ridiculously good quarterback at Houston in Clayton Toon. I mean, that's one of those names that people – like are going to forget and and never remember. Clayton Toon was really really good at Houston, and so you had two guys that had kind of been waiting their turn that come to another place, both expecting to start, and and legitimately had a, a battle. So with Billy Wiles winning the job, what does that mean? 
I think it's going in the long run to make both of them better in the short term. What I mean by that was Billy today um, in in the interview, he said um, that one of the first texts he got was from Holman after Coach Hall, you know, told them about that. And I, and I think if if anybody, you know, in the central part of the state knows the Edwards family, you know, um, his dad, Stewart's the head of French Camp Academy. You and I were there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Great family. Super nice guy. And that really, re- yeah, it really reflects on, on Holman's makeup. And so I think that, you know, there's been a decision, there's been a starter name, but I think Holman Edwards will make Billy Wiles a better quarterback throughout the season. And who knows what happens after this season, you know, if, if uh, a guy looking to start doesn't, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm just simply saying that he's going to make Billy Wiles better for the simple fact. I think he will be the first guy who celebrates Wiles' success. He'll be the first guy, you know, when their mistakes are made. And so Billy talked about the relationship that he and Holman have today. And I think I, I, I don't, I wouldn't take it just as like player speech. I mean, legitimately, they've kind of embraced this battle together and they've kind of, I think that's why there hasn't been much separation between the two. What else, Luke? I mean, Southern Miss has now transitioned from camp mode to game prep mode, and and this week is kind of a dry run for next week as as game week. What have we learned, big picture, from camp for Southern Miss, and what do they still need to try to kind of get sorted out between now and September 2nd when Alcorn rolls into town? Really, the only thing to, to get sorted out is who's going to be place kicking. Um, Will said, you know, they got three or four uh, more kickers, days to sort that out. Kickers. Goodness gracious. You ask the question. I am Sorry. simply answering the question. That's, uh, so that's really it. They, they feel, they feel depth at every position. Um, with the Wiles, you know, decision, the, the next question, and we talked about it today was, is he going to be protected? I mean, Will feels great about this offensive line, feels great about the depth. Feels great about the experience. And I may have said this to you or somebody else. The very fact that they have an experienced offensive line and they have three really trustworthy running backs, um, to go with that, I think is going to help Wiles, um, get confidence early in games. Now, you know, week two with Florida State, that's its own bear, but you, you feel like if they can get some confidence in the running game early in games, that's going to take pressure off of him, you know, as the game develops and, I think really the game to look at is they tune up in Alcorn. It's really tough in Tallahassee, but what kind of confidence can they get rolling in to the two-lane game? Because that, that game makes or breaks. That, that may be bowl game down down the line. That may be you know winning season down the line, depending on what happens in the back half. But going back to the original question, the offensive line, um, they, they feel really good about going in. And the defense really showed up in the second scrimmage Saturday. A uh, guy, y'all, you guys are familiar with Quentin Bivens, made some big plays. Even with the loss of Armand Cooley, they feel really good about the, about the front seven and, and the defensive line. Let's walk through the schedule and, and kind of play the uh, the win loss game from a prediction standpoint. So, Alcorn stayed in the opener. I'm assuming you predict a win in that one. Yes. <laughs> no, no disagreement there. I, mean, All I, right, so, I didn't yeah. know if you were going. You were waiting on. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just give me a give me a win loss. Yes, no, whatever. Uh, road trip to Florida State, obviously very difficult in uh, in week Lost. two. Lost. All right, so that's one and one. Uh, you mentioned it. One you circled Tulane a year ago. Southern Miss beats Tulane in New Orleans this year. Tulane will be coming off a week two matchup with Ole Miss at home. But traveling to Hattiesburg, so one and one going into that game. 
I've got it as a win. I think they just have confidence last year, and I think you know Will's familiarity with 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 Pratt, you know, helps the preparation. I mean, he knows that offense, so uh, I'd have that as a win. What about at Arkansas State, headed up to Jonesboro on September twenty third? That's a trap game. Uh, I think they'll win that one. I think that that that's a terrible last year. I know that. I know they were terrible last year, but they they hey he had a really good recruiting class two years ago. And if you win at Tulane, you got an opportunity to sleep the next week. I think that game will be close, but they'll win it. All right, so that's three. Uh, Texas State home game September 30th. They'll win that one. That's four. Texas State, a little bit of an unknown with uh, with a new coach coming in. They've been bad, though. They've been bad for the last decade. All right, so that's four and one going into homecoming with Old Dominion rolling into the rock on October 7th. That's a win. So that's the best-case scenario. For the first half, they could be four and two. I could see them, you know, laying an egg somewhere because that's what Eagles do. They soar high and they lay big eggs. I could see one of those happening, but I think they'll be five and one. All right. So that's five and one. And if you flip the two lane game, that's four and two. That's at the halfway point. Now, price of poker goes up a little bit in the second half. October 17th, coming off the open date at South Alabama. I think they'll lose that one. October 28th at Appalachian State. It's already sold out. Um, oh, that's really? a toss-up to me. It's already sold out. Yeah. That's it's a fantastic. toss-up. Uh, ULM at home on November 4th. Win. All right. If we're going with your 5-1 and one in the first half, that's now bowl eligible at 6 and we'll call it 3. Uh, at Louisiana, Raging Cajuns on Thursday night, November 9th. I think Louisiana's a little overrated this year, so I'll take a win there. Okay, so that is eight, right? Yeah, eight. Seven. Seven and three. Uh, At Mississippi State on November 18th. I really want Little Dewey's ribs, but lost. Okay, that's seven and four, and then finish it out with (laughs) Troy at home on November 25th. I think they'll finish seven and five. Okay, there you go. Seven and five a good year. I think with that, the toughest group of five schedule in the country, and you have an opportunity to win eight. Oh yeah. Okay. So seven and five headed to a bowl game with a chance to pick up eight. It would be another step in the right direction for Will Hall and Southern Miss. Luke, thank you. Always good to visit. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. See you later. Luke joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. And go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will wrap up the 3 o'clock hour after this with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi.
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by M Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. No, it's plenty hot outside, but uh, the fall season is rolling around, and there's a lot of fall activity happening at M Trade Park, including baseball tournaments, fast pitch tournaments, and soccer tournaments. You are still working on the schedule or trying to figure out one more spot for your son or daughter's team during the uh, fall portion of their activities. Be sure to check out the website, mtradepark.com. Click on the uh, the schedule link, the events tab, and see all of the things that are coming up at uh, mtrade park over the course of August, September, October and into early November. mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play mtrade. Good to uh, good to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. A lot of people excited about the Washington Huskies this year. Caleb DeBoer, hot shot young coach, really good quarterback returning, and uh, Michael Penix Jr., the Indiana transfer, who last year... Did he go for over five thousand yards last year? I'm trying to remember, he was. He was uh, let's see, he was close. He may not have quite gotten there last season. Four thousand six hundred forty-one uh, 40, yards. Forty-six, yeah, yeah. forty-six, forty-one. Um, but they suffered a setback today. Their expected starting tailback, Cameron Davis who was second on the team in rushing with 522 yards but had 13 touchdowns on the ground yesterday. He is out for the remainder of the year with a lower body injury, the old dreaded lower body injury. When you announce he's out for the year, you can probably give a little more information than that. You just tell us, yeah. So, so that, uh, That's not great for Washington, but uh, obviously, you know, in Mississippi news... That would provide a opportunity for Dylan Johnson. It would. Uh, from Caleb DeVore, Cam is a huge part of the offense. It's his second year in the system. Works so hard, leads the right way, disciplined guy. He not only does a great job with the ball in his hands, but in pass protection, he knows everything inside and out. Again, 13 touchdowns last year as a freshman. So where do you turn now? Hey, Dad mentioned it just a second ago. Dylan Johnson and Will Nixon. Johnson, over the course of the previous three seasons, ran for just under 1,200 yards in Mike Leach's offense. And um, then you've got uh, Will Nixon as well, and he would, uh, is a sophomore. I would think Dylan Johnson, well-versed in pass protection at this point in his career, should be familiar with pass protection, I would think. Well, how important does it make that pickup for them in the offseason? It's big. It's big. This is what the portal's for. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Um, by the way, Richard, I want yes. for you to uh I want you to acknowledge that I am a businessman, that I am a man that can put personal feelings aside. Because last night in my fantasy football draft, I took an old Miss Rebel with the number my number one pick. Not the number one pick, but my number one pick. You good. AJ Brown or DK Metcalf? I took I went AJ Brown with the eighth pick in the first round. Uh yes, I will acknowledge that you are a businessman. Now I want the two of you to acknowledge you. what a good, thoughtful, and generous person I am. 
Okay. Go ahead. I'll, I'll wait. I'll I tell mean, you why in a second. Tribal chief, I acknowledge you. Go ahead. Borky? I mean, no matter what you say, won't change my mind about what I think about the kind and generous part, but still, yeah. Well, congratulations, Borky. You are no longer part of this. <laughs> um, Dr. Mike Huggins sent me a text message this morning. You may remember we did a um, we did a remote a few years ago, at uh, a couple of years ago, at Life Dental in, uh, in Oxford yeah. uh, for their grand opening. Yeah. Uh, his son is playing on a baseball team that is selling raffle tickets. And he sent me a message that said, I know your two counterparts on the radio are big Saints fans. Thought you might be interested in this. They're selling $10 raffle tickets for Saints season tickets. And I said, hey, sure, I'll take three. I was going to get one for Brian Haydad. I was going to get one for Michael Borky. I figured I'd get one and give them to my kids. You know who's going to win, Haydad. You know who's going to win. The kids. The kids. (laughs) Who should probably be given something like that ahead of us. You know who's not going to win, don't you? Me. Michael Borky. The guy who just eliminated himself for the contest. I acknowledged you. I I, I acknowledge you as our tribal chief and the head of the table. You get two raffle tickets, and my kids get one. Sorry, Bork. You know who's still going to win, despite double the odds. The kids. The kids. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, So, yeah, you got some... Raffle tickets, well, cool. tickets coming up. Thank you Sounds for acknowledging great. my generosity. It will, ch- it will change my coverage for Mississippi State football, but I don't care. How would it change it? I'd be going out of New Orleans on Saturdays. I just watched the game, so I wouldn't be at the stadium. Well, I don't know if you'd go every week. Okay, we'll mm. figure it out. All right. Four o'clock hour coming up. We will continue our preview of the SEC. Today we focus on Florida. We're back after this. What do they want? Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Four o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Graham Hall joins us right now. He covers the Florida Gators at the Florida 24-7 sports site. Graham, we're making one last trip through the SEC, kind of checking in and previewing all of the teams in the conference. And Florida, to me, is one of the most fascinating teams. I think there are a lot of great stories across the league. But the biggest reason is because how Florida opens the season. This Thursday night game, all the eyes in the country will be on Florida. The game against Utah was really fun a year ago in Gainesville. Feels like a fun way to start the season. Will the Gators be ready for that challenge? I think they will be ready, actually. I think that everything we've heard from this team for the past eight months is that they're extremely confident in the foundation that they built last year under Billy Napier and that this team now believes that with some additions and a year more in the system that they're going to benefit this upcoming season. Now, whether that actually happens, of course, is you know that remains to be seen. But 
You look at what they're dealing with right now from, you know, I hate to bring up injuries in this game, but so much of, you know, Utah's situation right now concerns the status of two of their best players and and Cam Rising and the tight end there and Brent Keithy and whether they're going to be fully healthy and able to go. You know, for Florida, they have a guy in Graham Mertz that Billy Napier is banking on is going to be a lot better than people have seen in recent years out of Graham Mertz in Wisconsin. Really, it's going to be kind of the promising quarterback that many believed he'd be when he got to, to that Badgers program. And this is a team that is also going to run the football. You know, you look at how they're set up to win on on the you know along the offensive line behind those two running backs. Just how they rebuilt this team. I mean, I think that there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this Florida team this season. But it all could obviously you know come apart at the seams here when when you go to Salt Lake City. We're going to find out here in nine days, guys. It's extremely exciting. Yeah, and and what a great environment. I mean, you you think going to play in the Pac-12, and a lot of times you think empty stadiums, um, Rice-Eccles will be anything but that. It'll be packed to the gills and a a great way to start the season. Yeah, you mentioned Graham Mertz, and I I feel like so many many of us are kind of left with the image of the Florida spring game, which was was not a great image for uh, for the offense. Um, there was that one game for Graham Mertz at Wisconsin where it looked like he was going to be everything that people thought he was going to be. But outside of that, why should Florida fans be optimistic about Mertz named the starter? I think that it all comes down to Billy Napier, right? I think that if you believe that Billy Napier is going to be the exact same as how things went at Wisconsin under Paul Christ and that that's how it's going to go at Florida, then I can understand that you'd be a little bit, okay. uh, you know, negative right now. But I think there are a lot of Florida fans holding a hope that Billy Napier is, you know, a former guy from Alabama who has added to the wide receiver room. They've added these three promising freshman wide receivers. They give Ricky Pierce the ball back, and they have two really good running backs in Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson. Then the weapons around Graham Mertz now being in, in this Florida system and this is, I think, the big one, right? And, and Mertz spoke about this last week. He's, you know, five years wiser than when he was that promising high school guy. You look around the state of the SEC, how many guys right now, you know, you know, Devin Leary was at, what, NC State back in, what, was it 2018, 2019? I mean, you look around at the conference. Hendon Hooker, we saw it last year. He spent three years at Virginia, then comes to Tennessee. That's the guy who was 24 years old experience just naturally the position guys are going to improve development is not linear a new program uh, a renewed atmosphere a sense of purpose some hope having a chance to come down to the sec and perform on the biggest stage and take everything you've you know accumulated over the last four years the lessons the hardships everything i mean that drives some guys and if you've heard anything billy napier said for the last eight months he said that no one has worked harder than Graham Mertz to win the job. He's been doing two-a-days. He's getting up at 6 a.m. He's working every single day, working harder than almost anyone in the building. He's, his car's there at all hours, people say. You know, if, if it doesn't work out, it wasn't for a lack of trying, right? And a lot of, you know, often that's all you can ask, right? I, I hate to say that, that that's settling in any sense, but someone who gives it their all, if they just aren't the right fit or things just don't go their way or injuries happen, any number of things, at least from what it sounds like, the guy has worked his tail off to prove people wrong because let's admit it, there's been a lot of naysayers for the last eight months who have said that Graham Mertz is, you know, not going to be the guy at Florida, that Florida should have gone after another quarterback and that, 
you know, some of these even recent lists saying he's the worst starting quarterback in the SEC. You know, the guy's not on social media, but some of that stuff makes word to those guys. Other, you know, players see it in the locker room. It comes up, and that's fuel to the fire, and I think that he's going to prove a couple people wrong this season. And it's certainly going to be interesting to see how it uh, how it unfolds. Uh, visiting with Graham Hall. He covers Florida for 24-7 sports. Skaters open the season uh, a week from Thursday night, so nine days from now, on the road against uh, against Utah. So Billy Napier going into year two, and I think everybody knows that the Florida fan base um, is not a particularly patient one. I think about that, though, Graham, with the backdrop of people that I've talked to from around the Alabama program through the years that say, and I know this is a big statement given what Kirby Smart's done the last couple of years, but there are people that say of all the Nick Saban assistants, Billy Napier was the one. He was the one, and he took his time. He, he passed over a bunch of jobs uh, in staying at Lafayette for longer than people thought he was going to, and he waited for the right job. And, and so he believed Florida was the right job. Is there enough patience, both from fans and administration, and maybe that's two different questions, to allow this thing to play out, to give him the, the time to, to put the system in, in in terms of recruiting and development and culture and all of those things to legitimately give this a chance to work. You're right that those are two different questions, right? The fan base, I was talking to someone about this earlier. You know, a lot of those people in the fan base uh, are watching this documentary right now on Netflix about the height of the Florida program or one of the heights of the Florida program from 18 years ago. Yeah. And maybe right now wondering when they're going to get back to that, right? Maybe that leads to a little extra pressure this season. I, I don't know. But when it comes to whether Billy Napier is a guy who's potentially on the hot seat or could, you know, be fired by this administration, I don't see that this year. Um, you know, you look at the current setup of the Florida administration, it's a pretty, pretty quite interesting one, honestly, because you have an a- athletic director – and Scott Strickland, who now has a new university president in Ben Sassy. And uh, I, I would think that being this the second football coach that Scott Strickland has hired after um, after Dan Mullen, that this is a situation where, where Strickland's reputation, in a sense, is tied to Napier's success. And, and that may give Napier a little bit more time to get this thing right. And you look at the schedule, not just this year. I mean, look, go back to even last year. They, they were – they had the hardest September in all of college football, right? Playing Utah, Tennessee, Kentucky, the amount of tough teams that Billy Napier had to open with. And he gets a win over Utah in his debut. He's the first UF head coach to beat a top-10 team in his debut. Things aren't great last year, but Anthony Richardson is the number four quarterback. And in, what, three of those games, number four quarterback in the NFL draft, sorry. Uh, and in three of those games, they were, you know, technically one play away from winning those games. So, I think that this is a situation where even if they go three and nine, God forbid, I know I think no one wants to see that at Florida. You know, this is a situation where Billy Napier, there's enough belief in him and trust in the situation. And I think the biggest one here is you look at that recruiting class. I've been saying to people left and right that maybe the biggest difference right now for Billy Napier, uh, the difference maker for his uh, tenure at Florida, is going to be getting the recruiting right and landing those players. And right now with the number three class, in 247 Sports' rankings in the class of 2024. If Napier just solidifies that class and keeps everyone and they land a top-five class heading into next year, he is still going to get time 
to get this thing right. That is the biggest thing right now. And as long as people continue to believe, I know the SEC is not going to get any tougher or get any easier. Excuse me, it's only going to get tougher. Um, but if he can go out there and nail the recruiting aspect and continue to gradually improve, uh, he's going to get, I think, a, maybe three, four years to get this thing on the winning trajectory. It's not going to come apart in year two, barring something like a credit card fraud scandal or talking about death threats. I don't know, just speculating here, throwing out some random things that we uh, unfortunately have seen in years past, guys. Being accused of hugging a shark while completely in your birthday suit, you know, all, all of the things. Uh, Graham, we're out of time. I really appreciate it. In, in 10 seconds or less, are people fired up about Swamp Kings, the, the Netflix docu- documentary, uh, or is there some trepidation about this? Oh, it's not like a Miami 30 for 30. No, it's kind of a glorified highlight reel for three hours of how great those Florida teams were. If anything, like I said, it can maybe lead to a little bit of pressure right now because it was less than two decades ago, and those yeah. teams had a drive to win that was like no other. I think everyone who watched it, if you're not a fan of Florida, you want your team to be like those Florida Gators. So thanks for having me on, guys. we got to do this again soon. Thanks, Graham. We'll catch up with you down the line. Great catching up with you. Graham Hall from uh, the 24-7 Sports site. It covers the Florida Gators joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. Our Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Conversation with uh, with Graham Hall. If you're watching on Super Talk TV, you saw Graham's picture. He has a serious head of hair. I, I should have asked him if that was current or if that was an older picture. Hey, Dad, do you know? Is he, is he still carrying that? I, I, I don't know Graham other than through uh, interviewing him. I've never actually okay. met him. Well, he was great. What what good information? Do, do either yeah. of you feel better or worse about your uh, your lunch wager? I feel the same. Feel it's, it's all gonna better. it's all gonna come down to it's all gonna come down if if Cam Rising plays. If if he doesn't play, I'm I'm in trouble. If he plays, I'll be fine. Bork, what's Borky getting again? Seven and a half lunch. Oh, <laughs> seven and a half. Yes. Yeah. Um, he mentioned it. I was going to ask him about it. The uh, the Swamp Kings documentary uh, from Netflix, part of the Untold series, released overnight. Um, I, sometimes I'm late to the party on stuff like this. So the, the Johnny football one was the first out of the untold series that I had watched. I'm going back and look and I, I need to go back and watch some of these. Nah, they're, they're not all interesting to me, but some of them are, um, this is the group that did the malice at the palace documentary. Uh, they did the Manti Teal documentary and some other stuff. The one on Tim Donaghy, the, re- the referee from the NBA. So, are you guys, well, one, are you up to speed on Untold? Big fans, watch all of them come and go, what? I haven't watched any of them. What do you do, do? Johnny Football? One? I, I don't know what I do. I just I just go home and like zone out for like four hours and then go to sleep. 
finally watched the Manziel one. I feel like they could have done a much better job. I don't know. It just kind of felt like a billboard for the guy. And he's not a guy that, in a lot of cases, should get a billboard. I watched the Manziel documentary, and there was part of me that felt sorry for for him. There was part of me that kind of chuckled at him for his own stupidity. There was part of me that was like, I kind of applaud the brazenness and the swagger. And there's part of me that's like, man, I hope that guy can get it together. Because there's a lot of life left. But he has put a lot of miles on those tires in 28 years or 30 years, however old he is now. So So to answer your second question there, I was very excited about Swamp Kings. I was like, this is the one I'm going to lock in. And when I found out I was out, I was like, all right, when I get home tonight, log on to Netflix, we're good. And then I read an article, and it's that sort of talking about what Graham was saying there, that it it doesn't really focus on the interesting stuff. It's more just it, somebody described it as the resurrection of Urban Meyer, like it's trying to make him out as, as a little different than the public perception of him. And it's very vanilla. There's not a lot of Aaron Hernandez. There's not a lot of the pounces. Uh, there's not a lot of Tebow, to be honest with you. So I, I don't know how interested I am now. The other thing that was really cool was during the offseason leading up to the start of the season, I felt like I got some football out of the, the A&M one, the Johnny Manziel one. Um, our, uh, our I think I can read this, our boss, one of our bosses, Will East, tells me the um, crimes and penalties, the Danbury Trashers, that was one of the. It was uh, the fourth documentary in season one of Untold. Is the best of the entire bunch. It is about a now defunct United Hockey League team, and Will tells me it's got the mafia, wrestling, and ex-convicts as players, and Wayne Gretzky's little brother, and the team was managed by a seventeen-year-old. You have captured my attention. I will. Uh, I will go back and check that one out as well. So, um, I think I would watch Swamp Kings, or at least episode one, and we'll see how it goes. I, I again, I feel like I'm late to the party. On uh, somebody uh, the other day asked me, they're like, "Wait, you don't watch Righteous Gemstones?" And I was like, "No." So I watched the first episode of it, and I can't decide if it's going to pull me in for a second episode or not. Um, suits. You guys done suits? It's cheesy. I have not. No. Okay. It's cheesy, but I watched it all. I mean, the, the, did you do righteous gemstones? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Did I do righteous gemstones? Um, it, it's just a, a perfect. It's a parody, is what it is, and it's I, yeah, perfect. I, I know. I know. It. The, the the last season got a little over the top, but whatever. I mean, that's yeah. what you expect, especially from okay. those guys. But yeah, no, and you know, somebody made a good you point of the ba- text line. You want to be, uh, you want to be Baby Borky. <laughs> Uncle Baby Billy's the best character. That's I'm I assume you've you watched be, Righteous Gemstones, hey Dad. I have not, but I know enough about it to make that okay. joke. Oh my okay. gosh! But uh, Lincoln yeah. Lawyer is really good. 
Got on the text line's right, though. After everything that came out about the Manziel documentary and that we knew about Manziel the whole time, by the way, like everybody knew, which it's how it worked in all of college football. Everybody knew all these guys were getting paid before they got paid, despite what apparently individuals on the Auburn beat thinks. Cam Newton got paid to go to Auburn. More than Mississippi State was was trying to pay him. He got a better deal and he went to Auburn. But Reggie Bush got, had his Heisman taken away. How can we have a college football where Reggie Bush doesn't have his Heisman, but Manziel has his? Make that make sense. It's time for Reggie Bush to get his Heisman back. Absolutely. When you've got... The the story of the day in college football is Jaden Rashada, who was offered $13 million to go to Florida... But the Florida Collective is so out of whack, they realized they didn't have $13 million to pay him. So he goes to Arizona State and wins the job. That's the story of the day. Is the $13 million quarterback wins the starting job as a true freshman. Reggie Bush's family got a condo? And he doesn't get to keep his Heisman? Well, it was more than a condo. It was more than a condo. It was oh, a I'm... really nice house and a Range Rover. and more... but, but yes, yeah, Good. I mean... They they didn't just tiptoe to the edge of the line. They they yes. Ohio State starting quarterback last year was driving a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car paid for by a local dealership. Yeah. No, no, I'm with you. I, like I, I I said I agree. I think Reggie Bush should get his Heisman back. And you got lots of other Heisman trophy winners who are lobbying for Reggie to get his Heisman back. He earned it on the field. We saw it all happen. Um but you also have to play by the rules when you're there. I mean, if you had a linebacker or a free safety who chose to play the game today the way it was played in the 1970s and the 1980s, he would get one snap per game, and then he would be ejected for targeting. So you don't get to like decide which rules you follow and don't. You have to follow the rules of the pot. But, yes, I, I still agree he should get it back. Jaden Rashada, by the way, beat out. A couple of veterans on Arizona yeah. State's roster, Trenton Bourget and Drew Pine, who is the Notre Dame transfer that started 10 games for the Irish last year. He's been a little banged up, hamstring injury. But uh, Jaden Rashada going to start for Kenny Dillingham and Arizona State as a true freshman. Think- He's got a chance to put all the other stuff completely in the rearview mirror. Like, like that chapter of Jaden yeah. Rashada's story, it, it can never be completely erased from memory, but it can be like it was written in invisible ink or disappearing ink. He's always going to be there, but he can change all of that with his play on the field. And starting as a true freshman under a guy that is considered to be kind of an offensive mastermind quarterback whisperer for a program that has been very average for a very long time, yeah. at times downright bad. James Shot has got a chance to 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 make the the next few chapters of his story far more interesting than the craziness of the first chapter. I think the most interesting part of the story is that he probably would have started at Florida. 
Yeah, that's that's the flip side of it. Is <laughs> if Graham Mertz won that job, surely Rashada is more is more talented than him. He would have been the starting quarterback there if he had gone there. And I saw people like, well, this is an indictment on Billy Napier. Billy Napier's not the one that offered the kid thirteen million dollars that they didn't have. It's yeah. not like that. One thing I wanted. he didn't make that offer. You hear Mississippi State fans sometimes say, "Should have just gave Cam Newton that hundred eighty k." Will there be Florida fans saying, should have just gave him the 13 mil? That's a little different, you know? It's the worst non-investment in the history of college athletics, by the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. You won't, you will not get an argument from me out of that. And if you're a Mississippi State fan and you disagree with that, you're wrong. we, We can't have a conversation. I mean, yes, you're wrong. You're wrong. There were a lot of other pieces that would have been pretty good around him in the... Uh, yeah. We're back. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. The countdown rolls on. Today, we go back to 100 teams in 100 days. Bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Number 11 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days from the ACC, the Boston College Eagles. The only Power 5 stadium that I can think of that if you have the right pass, you can literally park inside of the stadium. I assume the spots are reserved to the wealthiest among the Boston College faithful, but yeah, you can literally drive your car right up underneath the stadium, get out, and you're right underneath your seat. I've only been to one basketball arena in the SEC where you can do that. I say where you can do that, not you so much, but um, the biggest donor at the University of Missouri has a um, – he gets to pull his car into the into the arena. Like they lift up the, the garage door in the back next to the loading dock, and he drives inside of it, gets out of his car, leaves the keys in it, and then somebody backs it into a spot where they can, as soon as the game is over, lift up the door and he can drive right on out. It's a good gig if you can get it. If you can get it, yeah. Uh, Boston College, 3-9 and nine last year. When is the last time that it feels like Boston College was relevant? Matt Ryan. I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. They've been decent. I mean, they were three and nine last year, That's but prior moment. to that, they won six, 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 and seven in the previous four seasons. It's like just kind of there. Like you did four and not three there, because that would have been issues. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm I mean, AJ Dillon was at Boston, Boston College. He had he had some big games there, but I mean, eh. yeah, he's the leading rusher in school history. 
He's um, also on the gravy train, so I'm very excited to have him. So, Emmett Moorhead is going to be the the uh, quarterback. He was the backup a year ago to Phil Jerkovich, but played oh, about half the snaps, not quite half the snaps. Ten touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, top four rushers return. They lost a pretty good receiver in Zay Flowers. Where did Zay Flowers get drafted? He he left as the all-time Ravens. leading receiver. Was he first round? Ravens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So first round wide receiver, that's that's difficult certainly to replace in a in a place like uh, Chestnut Hill. Um I don't know. It's like it, it Boston College is one of those teams where I'm like give me something to be excited about. They do the red bandana game, which is really really yeah. cool. It's an annual watch for me that story. No doubt. And it, it, it has trickled over to all of the other sports teams at Boston College as well. There's some really neat stuff about Boston College, but it's a hard place to win because from a resource standpoint, it just doesn't exist like it does, even with some of their colleagues in the ACC. Yeah. So, again, Jeff Halfley going into year four. Here's the schedule. Northern Illinois. Holy Cross. I mean, will they have... This is not knock on Boston College Day. Like legitimate question. Will there be a combined thirty thousand at those first two games for Boston College? I wouldn't bet on it. They got Florida State in week three. They go to Louisville in week four, then get Virginia. They play at Army on October seventh and get an open date. Go to Georgia Tech. Little bit of a rivalry game with UConn. They're at Syracuse, host Virginia Tech, go to Pittsburgh, and finish it up with Miami. If you were going to buy Boston College season tickets, this is the year to do it. Like, the home schedule is great. They get Miami, Virginia Tech, UConn, UVA, and Florida State all at home not to mention Northern Illinois and Holy Cross, if that does anything for you. Some good that's resale a, value on those. It's a really good home schedule. They're not terrible. Maybe their fans will kind of get behind them a little bit this year. Cool stadium Maybe. or no? What do you think? How do you grade Boston College's football <sighs> stadium? It has its moments. Okay. There's yeah, a little it's, character it's, it's, it's in not, it. There's some character. The fact that it's not Boston, it's Chestnut Hill. You know, sounds like a you know place where you you know want to go for a weekend at a B and B in Maine. Yeah. Oh, I'm me and the wife are going to Chestnut Hill this weekend. We're gonna go cranberry farming. You know, I don't I don't know. Yeah, Boston College is a good example for why the the people that were like cranberry farming. You go down the bogs and you you, you get the cranberries. There's people. Uh, videos of people using a winch to uh, um, wakeboard uh, on the cranberry fields because they they float them. Oh, so where are we the, going? Those, those videos are sick. But anyway, oh, like the like the guy in the commercial that, that's standing in the waders. Yeah, with, in the yeah he's out there with the, the cranberries. Yeah. They're yeah, like ocean exactly. spray or something. And then, then we're gonna go on a moose watching tour. 
there's videos of guys wakeboarding. It's all they're they're using winches with trucks to shoot them across the water. Looks like fun. <laughs> That's right. great. That's awesome. Like you got to that would be fun. You got to be careful when you're around a, a bunch of meese. I mean, those those guys, they will. They, oh, they miserable meeses. They, they look good, but they're not all That's as friendly as Bullwinkle. They're not no, all as friendly no. as Bullwinkle. But uh, no, Boston College is a good example. The, when the NIL thing was beginning, people were like, oh, all the colleges in the big cities are going to dominate now because there's more people and more money. And it's No, this is a great example. Nobody in Boston cares about Boston College. You are not marketable there because they have the NFL, yeah. the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL. You are fifth. Your football team is fifth on the totem pole in your own city. No, they are not marketable at all. Yeah. If the Red Sox had an IL, that would be something, you know. Then, then you could market that. Yeah, they would care about that, you know. Sully and Murph would be out there every day. Hey, hey, Johnny! I'm gonna, hey, let's go to the let's go to the Sox game. I'm gonna bury a dead guy in the marsh. Uh, I don't know. I think Alumni Stadium is kind of cool. <laughs> it's it's, a, it's it, it has its moments. What I'm saying, like. That's a place where if somehow they could be good late in the season, rainy, nasty day there in Boston. Yeah. But like in sure. my mind's eye, I see Matt Ryan in a night game, a rare like ESPN night game in Chestnut yeah. Hill with them hosting, I don't know, somebody, Florida State. Florida State. So. Virginia Tech. There you go. That's Boston College, team number 11 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. If you had to go to a football game in the ACC, and I told you Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Clemson were off the list, like you couldn't pick any of those three spots. You just wanted to go somewhere to watch a game. Well, let's call it a big game. Where would you pick? Are, are, are you and I going together? Sure. Will you pick? Will you pick up the tab at Prime One Twelve if we go to Miami? Yeah, South Beach. You go to the football game and then do other stuff. <laughs> Just to, now for for an actual football game, I want to go to uh to Keenan Stadium or to is it Carter Finley at in Carter Raleigh? NC State, One of those yeah. two. Yeah, those are the two I would want to go to. A, a game day at North Carolina. I feel like they'd be the most SEC uh, environments. It, it's a really nice day. Like the campus is really yeah. nice. Uh, like everything is just. It it feels like college football there, like like the pretentiousness sometimes of college football is there at North Carolina. It feels very collegiate when you're walking around. Sort of walk around telling everybody I think LeBron is better than Jordan. See what the reaction is. I don't actually believe that, but like, yeah, I just want to see what they say. I, a Miami game would be fun if it were like the atmosphere of when they hosted Notre Dame a few years ago. That'd be yeah, cool. or, or you know if Florida State and they were both good, sure, you know, or Florida. Would be fine, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Did you say I couldn't I, go to Clemson? Was Clemson Clemson was out? Yeah, I, I mean, I just kind of knocked yeah. off the three big ones. Yeah, yeah Miami would be cool. Yeah, I would want Miami to be a night I mean, game. I would want NC State to be a night game. I feel like I would want North yeah. Carolina to be like a two o'clock kick day off game on a cool, crisp October Saturday afternoon. We want. Let's let's get an let's do let's double dip. We'll get an eleven a.m. at Keenan Stadium, and then the nightcap at Carter Finley. We can, I mean, that's like what a twenty minute drive. Yeah, not far apart. Yeah, not uh, not far apart. 
going to the dome this year. The Whatever. Carrier Dome, right? Yeah, is it, 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 but they don't call it that anymore. Yeah, I think they took the sponsor off of it. Although they had to keep that for like 30 years or something. They just renovated the place contract. too for you. Yeah. They only get like a million dollars a year or something. Yeah, it'll be in uh, it's Syracuse in week two. So kind of there you go, Garrett Trader. New, new place on the uh, on the list. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. a public service announcement, but it's also one of my all-time favorite quotes, I think. Um, we are in the middle of what is expected to be the hottest week in the history of the state of Mississippi. I haven't fact-checked anybody on that. Just, you know, 102, three, four, five days in a row stands to reason. And as a result, the MHSAA, which if I remember correctly, had previously set for this season a universal start time of 7 o'clock for high school football games this year, has said to its members, hey, it's going to be hot. You want to wait and start at 8? You're welcome to do that. And by the way, I would encourage everybody to do that. Not trying to... Mess with the uh, Farm Bureau High School Scoreboard Show on, on Super Talk. Maybe we can push that back an hour if we need to as well. Maybe they'll just roll at ten. Whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. But for the safety of your your student athletes, your players, your fans, your family, your grandparents, the cheerleaders, the band, the whole shooting match, waiting until the sun goes down really not a bad idea. It's still going to be plenty hot on Friday night, regardless. So. The MHSAA said, hey, you want to play it later, you can. I love this quote from Ricky Neves. He is the um, uh, he's the executive director of the MHSAA. He said, we are giving schools the opportunity, if they choose, to choose their game times. You do not have to play at 7. You can move that to 8. This is my favorite part. Just make sure you home teams agree with the visiting teams that the game times have changed and make sure that you notify the officiating crew to make sure we have officials when these game times are changed. (laughs) I mean, it feels like that kind of goes without saying, but I think it might be important that he said it. Can you imagine going through all your warm-ups and stuff, your opponent's not on the field at all, and then 7 o'clock comes and you're... Well, we'll kick for another hour. What are y'all doing out here sweating? Yeah, like the kicker from the home team walks out of the field without pads on. He's just kind of looking at at everybody like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. Um, there already have been a few that have uh, have been scheduled for later starts. They've moved, been moved from 7 to 8. Thursday night, Wayne County at Oak Grove. Picky unit, Brandon, on fr- Friday night. That's a uh, an 8 o'clock start. Florence hosting Forest Hill. 
Germantown at Northwest Rankin, Salem at McLaurin. So all of those games have been uh, been moved to 8 o'clock on Friday night. We'll try to keep you up to date with others if um, if that comes along. So, good decision. Let's see here. Um, <laughs> this, here's the flip side. Our visiting team made an 8 o'clock announcement for Friday night. We're the home team. We're still playing at 7. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Apparently, just Dwight as sweaty says, as that movie out there, too. Goodness. The uh, White says Corinth and Boonville have moved to 8 o'clock. Uh, Tupelo Parks and Rex have canceled all practices this week for travel baseball and flag football due to the heat. Um, I think the Oxford Park Commission has made it optional for coaches. Like, they didn't necessarily make a, hey, you can't play, but they're like, coaches can decide if you can't play. I feel like you get it, like the organization's got to make that decision and kind of make it for everybody, but yeah. anyway, we got, uh, we got soccer at six tonight. I put a beach umbrella over my outside unit on the west side of my house. It helps. That's from Dwayne and Brandon. So we had very hot days in the 70s. We kept our schedule. Is this a woke thing? Wasn't this hot? I mean, they're, they're, they're saying record, record highs. So, but yeah, but, it's, but I don't think it's woke, Dwayne. We also ate salt tablets at football practice in the 70s. And when I say we, yeah. I'm using that collectively. I didn't play fo- high school football in the 70s, yeah. but those that did you talk about salt drink tablets. water. Yeah. We actually have advanced a little bit in terms of our understanding of the health for the human body. When, also, when I was playing high school ball growing up, there were we were stricter than I assume you guys were in the seventies, but not as strict as, as we are now. And there were two players in the area that I mean, this is two thousand seven uh, that that died of heat exhaustion. I mean, these are high school kids. I mean, that, that happens. And so if if it saves one life for you to practice at night or early in the morning, as opposed to you know, beating these kids' heads in when it's 102 degrees out, then you should do that. It's just smarter. I'm, I'm double checking something. I just want to. Um, South Panola is playing Houston. Friday afternoon at Northwest Community College in Senatobia at 4.30. What? That, it's approaching recklessness. That's a turf field, too. That's not a grass field. Ooh, that feels like a really bad idea. We'll be back. Your talk, Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, 
home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, and they are available to you for play. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com or give them a call. Plan your trip, plan your weekend, great golf getaway at Dancing Rabbit, part of Pearl River Resort. Love to hear from you on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from C Spire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. And it's just $30 a month with auto pay. Connect and Protect gives you tools to easily track your kids' location, restrict content, limit screen time, and help protect them online. Plus, right now you can get the iPhone 12 for less than $11 a month. Or get a free TCL Stylus 5G. No trade-in needed. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. Quick, uh, quick update. A couple of messages. Um, the reason that South Carolina or the uh, South Carolina South Panola game is scheduled for 4:30, it is part of a doubleheader that Northwest Community College is hosting. So you got South Panola playing Houston High School out of Germantown, Tennessee, at 4:30, and then Desoto Central is playing Germantown in the uh, in the second game. Um, got another update. Luke sent us a message, said that uh, the Laurel West Jones game has been pushed to uh, 8 o'clock. So that's happening in uh, in a bunch of different spots. Just good gracious, just be careful. It's going to be hot. Knock on wood, this does look like this is the especially those of us in central Mississippi that have not seen a drop of rain or anything you know, below 99 as a high for, for weeks now. Uh, knock on wood, that drop-off is coming like after this weekend. And we did get a question on the text on it's a good question. How are the college teams practicing in this? Like why is it okay for them? They do have indoor facilities that that does help. Um but they've got access to world-class trainers and nutritionists and I don't know if you've noticed the, the, these guys are wearing it, it kind of looks like sports bras honestly is what they look like. They've got fitness trackers on them with their heart rates and and all there is science involved with an Ole Miss and a Mississippi State and a Southern Miss football practice. In the high school, they, they just don't have that same access to resources like heart rate trackers on every player and multiple nutritionists and world-class trainers making sure that if there is anything that a player looks off a little bit, he's off the field right away and treated. Like the High schools just don't have that kind of attention to detail because they can't afford it of course not but that's how colleges can practice in this and, and be safer doing it during the day as opposed to high schools all this practices in the morning which i mean it's still hot in the morning but it's not the same. certainly certainly less hot than it is at four o'clock in the afternoon um so but but yeah um monday looks like was when it really breaks in north mississippi um, kind of gets to where your highs are in the uh, in the upper 80s. So we will uh, see. We will certainly see how that plays out. All right, let's get into the uh, college football fix. No, uh, college football fix is driven by Ford. Not hundred days, hundred days. And your local Mississippi Ford to each other. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. It's savings for you at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Summer sales event 
Summer indeed rolls on. So, boys, I was perusing uh, the X app earlier this morning. X app. Is Twitter such a bad name? I don't know. You were on Twitter. Just, just, yeah, just cool. stay with that. And there was a uh, there was a graphic on there um, from was it Sir Spurs a lot or Big Spur up or some anyway, just some random college football website. And they ranked the loudest SEC stadiums entering the 2023 season. I'm going to read you their list with no comment, and then we will discuss. Number one, LSU. Number two, Texas A&M. Three, Tennessee. Four, Georgia. Five, Alabama. Six, South Carolina. Seven, Florida. Eight, Auburn. Nine, Arkansas. Ten, Kentucky. Eleven, Ole Miss. Twelve, Mississippi State. Thirteen, Missouri. And fourteen, Vanderbilt. Tell me that you have not been to all the stadiums in the SEC without telling me you haven't been to all of the stadiums in the SEC. As a friend of mine likes to say, anybody can make a list. Clearly. And so I laughed at this list, and then I started thinking, how would I rank them? And the simple fact is, I don't think you can do it. Like, I don't think that you can point to a, you know what, this place is absolutely louder than this place. I think they got number 14 right. Vanderbilt is the least loud. I would argue that Missouri at 13 is probably also correct. Vanderbilt's plenty loud when they play Georgia there. No, it's not even loud then. <laughs> when on. Vanderbilt's on offense. Yeah. Um, for lots of reasons, right? I mean, stadium size and attendance and the way the stadium's built and an open end zone and like yeah. all that. Like, it's not just a, just we're taking talk. a shot at Vandy. It's, it's just not very loud. And what and, I would, I would disagree with you with is I think you can rank number one. LSU is the loudest stadium in college football. There's no louder stadium. Now you want to rank what you want to rank two through thirteen. I'll let you have it. But I have never, ever, ever been anywhere that was louder than LSU. I don't know that I can say that I've been to a place louder than LSU. So here's where it changed for me. The, the first time I ever went to a road game in the SEC was 1991. My first SEC road game was the Egg Bowl in Starkville. And then kind of throughout junior high and high school, I got to go to some different spots. I went to an LSU, an Ole Miss LSU game in Baton Rouge. Uh, I went to an Ole Miss Tennessee game in Knoxville. So Ole Miss play Arkansas and Memphis of all places, and Ole Miss play Tennessee and Memphis. Ninety six. Um, yeah, Tennessee in ninety six and Arkansas ninety seven. Is that right? 90, the ninety six Tennessee game in Memphis. Peyton yeah. Manning. Yeah, I was there. 
Yeah. It was a Thursday night. It was game. a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. It sure was. Uh, yeah. I mean, a buddy of mine and I went right after high school football practice. Like we got out of practice at you know yeah. four thirty or five and straight to Memphis. Le- uh, Leonard Little nearly destroyed some Ole Miss player. I forget who it was, but gosh, I was close yeah. enough to the field that I was like, yeah. Anyway, it, so I went to a bunch of SEC stadiums. And I was like, oh, these are all great. But I never got, like, the whole, wow, this place is insane. Because Ole Miss was pretty mm-hmm. average. It was rare that Ole Miss had a really good team. That changed for me during the 2014-15 deal when when Ole Miss was pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, In 20... What was the uh, what what was the game? I guess it was the Shea Patterson game for Ole Miss when Texas A and M was going through its stadium expansion. Yeah, like like Ole 16. Miss was A and M's opponent with the largest crowd in the history of the state of Texas for a football game, and it'll never be broken. And I mean, I kind of feel like we're past the point of making stadiums bigger. When they already seat a hundred thousand, I mean it was like a hundred and twelve thousand that night because they were halfway through the renovation. They had rebuilt one side but not the other. Anyway, so massive. It was really loud that night, but it's not a it's not a scary loud at Texas A and M. It's not scary loud. LSU can be scary loud. Twenty fifteen when Ole Miss went mm-hmm. to Florida and Ole Miss was ranked like fourth. Will Greer was you know using HGH, but nobody had found out yet. Um, that was kind of like a Florida is back night with Jim McElwain there. And it was deafening that night. And I was like, oh, this is why they did the whole welcome to the swamp thing. And this is Gator yeah. country. And people talked about how difficult that was. Brother, that trip to Knoxville two years ago in 2021 for the Ole Miss Tennessee game. I guess my point is, I don't know how you separate these things. Right. I don't know how you say LSU is louder than Knoxville, is louder than Gainesville, is louder than Auburn, is louder than Tuscaloosa on a Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Yeah, whatever. Uh, we'll pick this conversation up, but it's uh, 10 days of trivia when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, let's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. to the loudest stadium in the uh, SEC conversation. Um, I want to get your thoughts uh, for the, the places that you guys have been. And I've got some, I feel like I've got like some nuggets about each of the stadiums. So we will, uh, we will get to that. But it is time for day two of 10 days of trivia. If you were listening back in the 3 o'clock hour, I told you, I think I got a humdinger. I think this is a good one. And I will tell you right now that this is a thinking and respond question. This is not a Google it and figure it out question. Because it's going to take you a minute if you Google it to find the right place and then sort through the information that you need to get the correct answer. 
I, I do suggest that you listen to the entire question today before you start texting us your answers. Our 10 Days of Trivia is presented by Genteel, genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We are going to give away a Genteel golf shirt. Did yesterday, will again today. You get to pick between an Ole Miss golf shirt, state golf shirt, Southern Miss golf shirt, or Super Talk golf shirt. You're going to text the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. So here's the question for today. Again, the number is 601-879-4395. Yes, yes, sir. And just to let everyone know, this question stumped me. I did not get it correct. Brian Haydad, he was close. That's the difficulty level here. Yeah. Just so you know, I need six, count them, six names. Mike Leach has coached seven of the top 30 single-season passing yards quarterbacks over the course of eight seasons. One of those quarterbacks has two of the top 30 spots. Name six of them. And send it all in one message. Don't send multiple oh, yeah. messages. <laughs> Don't send names. six. Don't it's you six send too six many. Messages. Should we do five or do should six. we stick with six? The, right, these six. Are, this is great quality so. stuff. you got to earn it. All right, here you go. Mike Leach has coached seven of the top 30 single-season passing yards quarterbacks over the course of eight seasons. One of those quarterbacks has two of the top 30 spots. Name six of the quarterbacks. Think on it. Think you can get there. I had fun with this one. By the way, that that list is incredible. At at this point yesterday... Answers flooding in. Now, they didn't have the players yet, but school was flooding in. To this point, no answers. It's, it's going to come. It's going to take a minute. They're Googling. Well, they, they get type They're in six Googling. names, too. Right. So, they'll come. We'll get there. A but, record day for traffic incidents on I-55 as listeners were trying to win a genteel polo and had to text six names. The um, the cutoff for being in the top thirty, oh, yeah. is no. four thousand seven hundred twenty-seven. No, four thousand seven hundred twenty-seven. I'll tell you, who number thirty is Brandon no. Whedon. Played at Oklahoma State, two sport guy. Played baseball and uh, and football. Nope. Um, I did a couple of games with him a couple years ago. Great dude, fantastic golfer. Now we got somebody sending in six texts. Nope. You looking at, at these as they come in? This one's got a chance. We got a winner. We got a winner, I believe. Do, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. We have a winner. We have a winner. Very good. And and, and there's some that um, they are there. There, or, or have gotten close. Somebody said, why did we only read it once? What, what did we read? What are we talking about? The question? He read it like three times. Yeah. All right, so the question was this. Mike Leach has coached seven of the top 30 
single-season passing yards quarterbacks over the course of eight seasons. One of those quarterbacks had two of the top 30 spots. Name six of them for us. And here are the answers. First one happened in 2003. V.J. Simons threw for 5,833 yards at Texas Tech. I'm sorry, that was not the first one. That was the second one. 2002, Cliff Kingsbury threw for 5,017. Here are the eight. Cliff Kingsbury. B.J. Simons, Graham Harrell twice, Anthony Gordon at Washington State, Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech, Gardner Minshew at Washington State, Sonny Cumbie at Texas Tech, Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Hey, Dad was one name short when he went through this list. Do you know which name he was short on? Would you care to take a guess? He's like, ah, oh, one Will Rogers. He, he he mentioned Will's name, but he didn't come up. I said with, it. With I said it out loud. The answers. So that's uh, that's that's good stuff. All right, way to work. Matt Gordon is today's winner. Congrats, Mac. We've got his email and his address right there, Richard, and we will get him taken care of. Yes, I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, oh, we got to know what Mac. We got to know what kind of shirt you want and the size also. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. want an Ole Miss shirt, a state shirt, a Southern Miss shirt, or a Super Talk shirt, and tell us what size you need in that as well. Just text it to us. Uh, so, judging from what I'm texting about us about me earlier, I'm going to bet he wants an Ole Miss polo. Well, I was hoping so. Based on his location, yeah. I was hoping he would request an Ole Miss one. Yeah, the location is, yeah. Another Otherwise, I was going to ask that he move, but whatever. Kidding. All right. So, oh, you say LSU. Listen to this, though. Max says, let the record show I'm driving home from work and couldn't Google. I just thought of the first six leech quarterbacks I could think of. Hey, hey. well done. His story. Matt, Matt Gordon knows his college football. That's awesome. Well, well done, Mac. Well done. Um, somebody said, not Craig James, kid. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. <laughs> no. All right, hey, Dad. Uh for, yeah. for you, it's LSU in terms of loudest yes. stadium you've ever been to. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, Alabama, you know, I, I haven't seen State play a competitive game there. Every time I've been, it's been a blowout. and so, I, I, But that's still a loud stadium. Auburn is a very loud stadium. Auburn is a good one. South Carolina, I've only been once, but that's a very underrated loud stadium. Now, I, when I went state lost on a uh, last second, you might remember in 2000, the, the guy comes off the bench and throws a touchdown pass with like a minute left. Oh, I bet they that, went nuts. That was, but, oh, they went crazy, and uh, it was very, very loud. But that's that's a good stadium. Um, when I went to Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee wasn't very good. State wasn't very good. The It was an 11 a.m. kick. It just, you know, I didn't get the experience. Georgia feels like it should be louder than it is. Again, I've been there three times, and State has gotten blown out all three times. So maybe they're just not into the game. But I've been to Athens a couple of times. I've never been though when when Ole Miss was like really good. And, and I think you, I think the way Georgia treats Auburn or Alabama when they roll into Sanford Stadium is different than how they would have treated, you know. 
a five and four Ole Miss team when they were seven and two. It looked wild. Yeah. Before the rain came when they were playing Tennessee last year. It did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So yeah, South people. Carolina is a sneaky uh, Penn State uh, by far the the loudest most Oof. violent noise uh, I've ever I've ever been in that South Carolina game might be my number two in '09 so I was in high school that Thursday night and a bunch of us went and we played Lawrence the next day Lawrence wasn't very good we played like crap and then it got found out what half the team was doing the night before the game we were down in Columbia. And we got in trouble. Oh, Tweeter and Billy Bob, your friends? We got in so much trouble. <laughs> You're not protecting the team. It's like, Coach, we're senior. I mean, come on. It's Lawrence. We overlooked them, and we almost lost, and we shouldn't have because they stunk. But, yeah, that was fun. You know what You know what? another word for almost lost is? We won. 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 And that we did. We won. And then the next week we played an equally bad team and easily and beat them like sixty-two to nothing. We were not going to let that happen again. There you go. Sports you you learn from your mistakes. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Ten days of trivia. Congrats today to Mac. We'll be back with you right after this. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. So, hey, Dad, with these SEC football stadiums, they all have their moments. Yeah. And I got different things that stand out. But I have, instead of ranking the order of loudness of stadiums in the SEC, which I think is impossible, I've just categorized the louds. Okay. Using the same order as this this list that made no sense. So here here we go. LSU is drunk loud. A <laughs> and M is nice, but really weird loud. UT, based on the experience from a couple of years, they're mean loud. Very condiment friendly though. Georgia's just just regular loud. Bama is late night big game loud. Yeah, you you catch Bama at eleven in a game that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. This is Alabama football. That's it. They're, That's they're it. the burden of expectations loud. Um, South Carolina, scary loud. When, when you loud. look up and that entire end zone is shaking. Mm-hmm. Florida. Nasty loud. 
and and you can do with that whatever you wish. Bunch of cutoffs and jorts. Auburn going crazy. Auburn is college loud. Okay, I like that. Auburn to me is the most college feeling stadium that I've ever been to. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. It is a very collegiate experience at Auburn. I get Arkansas it. is uh, kind of loud. Kind of loud. I was trying to be funny, and I wrote out to the side, or barnyard loud, but it didn't. You know, whatever. Uh, I already Kentucky, know what your adjective's going to be for state. Kentucky, I bet you don't. I Kentucky think. is sneaky loud. Kroger Field. I should have mentioned that when I went to Kroger Field in 2018, that was I mean, they beat State up and down the field. By the end of that game, that place was rolling. Yeah, and that place has got some juice when they get going. Yeah, Ole it Miss, really does. It's weird too. Yeah. Ole Miss is occasionally loud. Occasionally, loud. It, it has its moments. Vault Hemingway ha- has had its moments, but it's not consistent. It's just not. It's bourbon loud. Yeah, but I kind of already used drunk for LSU, so I know. But 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 you could have come back to it here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mississippi State what? is single pitch loud. Okay. There is a Mississippi State. I mean, don't don't kid yourself. It's like headache tomorrow, loud too, and and your ears yeah. keep ringing loud. But it sounds different there than any other place. Obviously, there is a different thing in that cowbells are there. Somebody said state is fake loud. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say artificially loud. No. Um, it, it, it's weird because with all of these other stadiums, it sounds different throughout different courses, uh, parts of the game. The noise level rises and falls, and it's you know, it's groans and it's shrieks and it's all this stuff mixed together, whistles. At State, there's this single pitch that is just constant. It's just ring, 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 ring. I like that. I like that. I can live with that. uh, Mizzou is rarely loud, and Vanderbilt is never loud. It's never loud. So, what is your loudest moment at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium? Ooh, I made him think. I happen to have mine loaded for Davis Wade because we talked about it on the podcast today. I, I have, I have three. There would be a clear number one if not for a review. If if yeah, the okay. officials call. Sinquez Golson's interception against Alabama in 2014 good in real time, mm-hmm. the stadium like falls in on itself. Even still, when he said after review, the ball was intercepted, and he keeps talking, you have no idea what he says after that. that. That's true. Um, the loudest, the, the loudest is um, 2003. LSU's first drive of the game, Travis Johnson intercepts, Matt Malk takes it to the end zone. Cool. This this one's going to be off the radar for you, though. 2002, Ole Miss, Florida, played an 11 a.m. game. It was like game one of a CBS doubleheader. And Ole Miss won that game. 
And I was on the field, like, working with sports marketing or something for most of the fourth quarter. And, you know, for the last however, when I've been on the field, I've had earphones in or headphones on. And so it's like it kind of drowned out some of it. That was just, and it was white noise. Like, you couldn't tell where any sound was coming from. It just kind of cascaded down. And I was like, I got you. Okay. So. That's yours. Those are my three. What's yours for, for Davis White? So, like I said, somebody asked this question on on today's podcast, and uh, I came to the conclusion it's the touchdown that State scores to make it twenty one nothing in the first quarter against Auburn in twenty fourteen in the uh, the number two versus number three winner is going to be number one game, and I forget what the third the third touchdown is is Josh Robinson off tackle I believe. But, you know, State scores and then forces a turnover and scores again and then forces another turnover and then scores again. And it was 21 nothing. That place was absolutely ear-splitting loud. And that's the one game where all the national guys are there, and they're all just looking around just like, what is going on in this stadium right now? I've, I've never heard anything like that. I said, I said Travis Johnson. It was Matt Greer interception. That's what James in Hattiesburg said. Sorry for having the wrong uh, player. Uh, all right, so some of yours. 106-yard interception return against Alabama was loud. That was mentioned. Uh, 2017 Alabama-Mississippi State, loudest I've ever heard Davis Wade. That's loud. First catch for DK Metcalf against Bama in 2018. Was that a bomb, like touchdown? Like yeah. It was. Deep fly, yeah. let it. Okay. It was the Phil Longo patented get open. He got open. Um, Auburn 2014, 100% not debatable. Loudest Davis Wade has ever been, ever. Those those two weeks. Now they're saying it was Travis Johnson, Richard. You guys need to get a box score out or something. Well, I'm pretty sure it was Travis Johnson and not Matt Creer. But I was just going to... 3 LSU Ole Miss... Uh, it, oh, there's no names on the ESPN box score. Dadgummit. Here's the old used to be loud in Arkansas. Sure. Not Travis sure. Johnson. Travis yeah. Johnson. Good job, Richard. You were right. Okay. Thank you. You know, the um, – can you think of moments in Egg Bowls where it's just been like that? The Wallace fumble, I you imagine, know, even though I wasn't there. Yeah, that was that was loud. That that's not stacking up. Um, you know, I'm trying to think like since the stadium has expanded, you know, state is one and three in egg bowls in Starkville. Fifteen, seventeen, and twenty one they lost. The nineteen egg bowl, when Luke Logan misses that extra point, it was loud, but I don't think I'm gonna put that in the in the Pantheon. And then going back to Jackson I never saw State win an Egg Bowl in Jackson. Never went for one. Hmm. Somebody so, asked if we I had think the loudest loud I ever from from Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. He said, "Assuming you went to LSU, the loudest I remember SEC games. Yeah, I, the loudest I remember Memorial Stadium was the fight in 1990 when both sides realized it was on and everybody stood up. And I would have loved to have been in the middle there in the end zone where the two sides meet. <laughs> I bet the people were fighting in there too." Yeah. Um, 
when Deuce McAllister took the opening kickoff back against Arkansas with an 8 p.m. kick in 1999, place was yeah. place was hopping. That's a, that's a good one. When, when you start the game that way, it gives you a chance. Um, I re, I remember Deuce's long run in the 2000 Egg Bowl, and that that was really loud at Vaught Hemingway. And there was a different kind of loud in 2012, which was the Feed Moncrief. It was like that yeah. was the strangest stadium. It was like a party just broke out in the middle of the stands. Yeah, because when, when Jamie on Lewis takes that kickoff back, you're like, oh, God, they're really going to beat us four straight is what Ole Miss fans were thinking. And then State gets fade out, got to a lead, and then Ole Miss just poured it on. And, uh Yeah. I didn't, I didn't stick around for it to get too loud. I, I, I got out pretty early on that one. Yeah. It, it was, yeah. Matt Greer's interception came against Florida. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi. We will uh, be back with you, and we will wrap it up coming up after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. I went back and looked. That 2002 Florida Ole Miss game that I was talking about was uh, it was a hideous game. <laughs> Florida led seven to nothing on a touchdown pass at the end of the first quarter. Ole Miss got a safety in the second quarter to make it seven to two. Florida scored to make it fourteen to two. Ole Miss had a, a touchdown run early in the third quarter to make it fourteen to eight. Two point conversion was good. 14 to 10, and then Matt Greer picked off Rex Grossman and took it 24 yards to the house for six, extra point good, and then no scoring from the 821 mark of the third quarter on. 17 14, almost won that game. And tore down the goalpost. Sport back then. Yeah. Yeah. Tore down the goalpost that day. Florida was number six team in the country, though. So. I think I don't miss the they let Ron Zook coach another two years after that, for God's sakes. Yeah. All these stories so about... They got croomed. Great games ending with the tearing down of goalposts are no more, thanks to Greg Sankey. I can't wait for, for my kid to grow up and not have those cool stories. Remember when your team tore the... Oh, wait, no, that didn't happen anymore. I mean, it still occasionally happens. It's just expensive. Yeah. I mean, remember the goalpost in the uh, in the oh, Tennessee yeah. River last oh, year? Oh, I, I forgot. One of Nick Saban's players feared for his life as a 100-pound sorority girl said something to him. Ah, can't have that. Yeah. Can't, you, you can't have sorority girls saying things to football players. They they fear for their lives. So we got to get rid of one of the coolest things that happens in college sports. That scene in Knoxville last year, hated it. All those people on the field, 
cigar smoke rising out of the stadium after 105,000 people were out of their minds for four quarters in a back-and-forth game that was just four hours of entertainment. Oh, we'd rather everybody just peacefully walk back to their cars. Says the guy with absolutely no liability when somebody ultimately gets trampled to death and sues the university for $250 million. I mean, you know... I don't disagree. I agree with everything you said. I mean, I'm going to take my son to an indoor playground on Saturday because it's going to be too hot. I mean... I'm sure they're afraid of what would happen if kids get injured at their playground. But yeah, the, it yeah, happens. getting injured on a playground not quite the same. Well, but it's that's kind of that's kind of like comparing apples and billboards. It's just so stupid. It is stupid to try to get rid of that out of fear of litigation. All the things that that we could be litigated over. Let's just get rid of it all. Anything that could possibly be fun could also end in litigation. So we might as well just get rid of it. I don't think anybody's suggesting that. We do live in a fairly litigious society, though, and I don't know if universities are they're kind of big targets. I'm, I'm sure they are. Especially if they don't control a crowd and allow somebody to get trampled to death when 27,000 people go into an area uncontrolled. But the, those same people <laughs> allow... allow people to consume alcohol unchecked around that stadium it's it's just well, that's actually changed i mean it's it's far more checked than it ever has been with the sale of alcohol in the stadium no outside of the stadium around it on the campus oh, well. people are walking around with liquor bottles in their hand just pounding it at tennessee games but but that's okay that is out of Ending cool things out of fear of litigation, out of fear of something going wrong, it's just crazy to me. You get, you get a, there, there are risks associated with activities in life. You ever seen the videos of those people that got trampled to death at the European soccer matches? I mean, has a college football game ever gone like that? Like that? Fortunate, fortunately, no. <laughs> but we, we live in a society here, apparently. You, you, okay. I mean, uh, you, you defend defend Sankey's terrible decision making if you'd like, out of fear of litigation. But I would prefer people storm the field after college football games. I love how it looks. It's dangerous. It just is. And if you're worried about the possibility of somebody being trampled to death and being sued for that, then. You probably try to control that. Just saying. Uh, it looks fantastic, though. You know what else well, looks fantastic? I hope it's Ford burned in your memory. <laughs> and you know where you can get those? At Belk Ford on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Great selection on the lot. Uh, plenty of used vehicles available as well if you're not looking for a, a brand-new vehicle. Uh, but check out the selection of F-150s. Great incentives right now. Tell you more about that in the days to come. If you're not looking for a Ford, if Toyota's what you want, they've got all you need right up the hill 
at Oxford Toyota as well. Belk Ford, BelkFord.net, Oxford Toyota, OxfordToyota.com on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Check them out today and tell them we sent you from Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Enjoy your evening. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.